0: Debbie, for that. Good morning. Good morning. Nice to see you. I um, was in the supermarket um, a few weeks ago and I came to the end of one of the aisles and went round the corner into the next aisle. And there were only two people in that new aisle. And um, I noticed instantly the back of the t shirt of, um, of the guy there. And it said in enormous writing Jesus is a word that I will not use on this stage. Probably the most offensive word that I can think of. And it was shocking. It was absolutely shocking. I imagine many, many people would have been shocked and offended by that. But it feels like the world is a bit different from when I was young. It feels like things that, I don't know, some people find acceptable weren't acceptable before. And as we've heard, we're looking at this quietly loud theme because we feel like the Christian influence and the Christian voice that was so central in society for so long has been pushed into the edges. And so we need to be asking the questions, how do we live in the edges and yet be able to shine Jesus, reflect Jesus into the world around us? And we need to think through that. The Christian voice is often uh, portrayed and some people believe that the Christian voice is one of hatred or bigotry, that it's one of irrelevance or old-fashioned values as well. But I know that life lived with Jesus is better I'm not saying that my life lived with Jesus is better than your life, whether you live with Jesus or not. I'm not saying that. But I know that my life with Jesus is way better than my life without Jesus. I know that. I get to hold hope. I think I say this every time I come up and I'm going to keep doing it. Because I get to hold hope in hard and dark times. I get to experience and get glimpses of this incredible love for me that is perfect and consistent. I was struck by it in the words of the song. um, From age to age he stands and time is in his hand. He loves me. I get to do life with him. Life is better with Jesus. When my thoughts go to things that are not good when my actions go to things that are not good, I get a clean start, a fresh start. I get cleansed from things that are done to me as well. And he helps me to forgive and move on. Life is better with Jesus. But I also do want to live my life at peace with all those around me. I want to live in a peaceful way with those people. I want to know what to do when my convictions are challenged, when my values are attacked or questioned. I want to know what to do when others around me are hurt and when Jesus is insulted. I want to know how to live, how to live well from the edges. We're going to be wrestling with this topic of Quietly Loud all year. Fortunately, I don't have to solve it all this morning. I will solve very little of it, but well, maybe nothing at all. But we'll at least think about it and process it a bit. How do we live on the edges, living well, reflecting Jesus? And we're going to go quiet theme, loud theme, quiet theme, loud theme for a while. And we're going to be thinking of quiet, the posture of quietly loud, and focusing on be good this morning, be good. Whenever I speak on topics, I feel I do it quite a bit, that are about being good and loving other people, I look out at you marvellous bunch, and I just go, woo! I see so much good out there, Um, and I know there's masses that I don't even see, so I have a little happy dance inside of me, uh, just going, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for all the beautiful good that is done. Now last week we looked at a loud one, which was Jesus visiting his hometown and he went into the synagogue and he taught there and he said things that really poked the bear, that really provoked them because they'd had an understanding all their days that Jesus is for the Israelites God, not Jesus, beg your pardon, cancel that, God is the God of the Israelites, and they are precious and chosen, and they are chosen, but actually, Jesus went there and revealed to them that actually God is the God of all the nations, even the nations they didn't like. They're angry, and so they take him out of town to a clifftop, and they they want to throw him off the clifftop. And we notice that Jesus did not respond with violence, that Jesus had this incredible power, but he didn't respond with power. He didn't waggle his finger at them, but he still was prepared to speak out. So today, as I said, we're focusing on the quietly bit more, this posture of doing good and quietly we're going to look at some teachings of Jesus. We could equally look at Jesus' life because his life and his teachings are completely consistent, but we're going to look at um, the teachings today. And we're go- going to look at an occasion where there's this enormous crowd that come out to Jesus and they come out to see Jesus from all over because they got sick with them or themselves. They want to be healed. They've heard amazing things about him. Um, There's evil spirits they want to see cast out. And they've heard stories and they want to just see him and hear him too. And so they are seeking him and they come out to him and people are healed and spirits are cast out and they hear and they see Jesus. They encounter him. And the passage that we're going to be jumping around in is in Luke chapter six a big six little 20 to 38 you are so welcome because i jump around it's probably good to see the order that the bible puts it because i'm going in a different order this morning um so if you've got it on a device or actually a bible you're most welcome to join with me But first of all, I just want to put a little seed in your head that I want to just niggle around throughout this morning, which is from a different part of the Bible. When Jesus is asked, what is the most important commandment? What is the way that I should live my life over everything else? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others as yourself. So let's get that just into the back of our heads and have that ringing around as we go on. So, what does this beautiful posture of quietly doing good actually look like then? Well, firstly, we find in the middle of this passage that Jesus does say, Well, of course, you're going to do good to those that do good to you. Of course, you're going to love those people that love you, that makes sense. That's the way the world works. There are going to be times when you have far greater capacity to care for those who you, that you love, and there are going to be times you'll have less capacity to do that. But basically, the world works that way. And this is what he says. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend. Oh, I've lost my place. Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. Now, it sounds pretty negative the way he's putting it, but that is because of the context that we'll look at in a bit. But that's... Still, what's right and expected? Of course, we should do good to those who do good to us. We should care for those who care for us, absolutely. And I don't think that's particularly quietly loud in the world. I don't think that's pretty loud because that is what happens in the world. But I do think there are occasions when we actually lavish somebody so much with love that it becomes a little bit louder because it is so big and lavishing. My husband turned 50 a little while ago. And um, his work colleagues, about 20 of his work colleagues, decided that they will surprise him. And so um, he either runs or walks um, to work, depending on his, I don't know, strength. What's it depending on love? (laughs) I have no idea. Sometimes he walks, sometimes he runs. I don't know why. But but he leaves early. (laughs) But he leaves early. So on the the morning of his birthday, he gets up. And he opens the door, and there are his work colleagues standing in the driveway singing happy birthday to him, all dressed, ready to run to work with him. That is huge in my mind. I would never do that, or I loved. And they walked, though, nevertheless. But how generous was that? And I do hear of and see of these incredible generous things that people do for people that they love. But I also get why you do it. I get that they would do that for him because he's nice he's lovely he cares for them he loves them and so he's nice to them he's good to them so it makes complete sense that they would do that so it's a good thing to do let's lavish each other with love but it's not quite the quietly loud completely that we're thinking about if we're choosing to be quietly loud from the edges and be reflecting jesus in the world around us we need to do this but we also need to do more and so there's a bit further up in the passage, if you've got it open, um, where Jesus begins this whole teaching section that he does. And he begins it by um, do, sort of saying, who is blessed? Who are the ones um, that it is good for? Who is the blessed one? And actually, who is it not so good for? Who, who are their woes? Um, and the, what he says actually takes what they would have already thought and flips it completely on its head. So let's have a read. Looking at his disciples he said, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry, now you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you, and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets." So people had come out to see Jesus from all over the place, from all of Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon. So from this vast area, they had come out to meet Jesus. And the majority of those people were poor. Now, we know that because the vast majority of people living in those days were poor people. That was the way it was. There were not very many rich people. But Luke, so the person who wrote this passage, Um, characterizes in his gospel that the poor are the oppressed and that the rich are the oppressors. But we know, as we read the Bible, that actually there were many generous rich people around. We read of um, a couple of women that actually paid for a lot, enabled Jesus in enormous ways to go about doing what he did by funding him. We hear of um, a couple of rich guys that are able to support and help financially in different ways as well. But most of the people that Jesus actually mixed with were poor, <clears throat> excuse me, but it was generally accepted in those days, and I think in our days, that if you are rich, you must be blessed because you are well fed, you have time to laugh, you have people praise you and look up to you, and so you must be blessed if you're rich. But Jesus says, No, actually, you are not the rich ones that actually not the blessed ones. The ones that are blessed are the poor and the hungry and the grieving and the persecuted. Jesus flips it on his head. The needy saw their need for Jesus. Those that Jesus is speaking to had come out to seek him in their needs. And so he declares them blessed. Now it does sound like that there is this package of blessing for the poor and the needy in various ways, that is that um, they will be part of the kingdom of God, that they will have um, enough to eat, that they will experience joy. There it sounds like there's this package, but is it Jesus saying, well, there's this package for you on the other side of death, that there is life for the full for you, but not yet. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Ah, here it is, here it is. Well, I think there's truth in that. I think there are incredible things awaiting um, us after death. Absolutely. But as we observe Jesus and his followers and the church that started after um, Jesus went back into heaven... We see that they are doing good to one another and that those people are getting a glimpse of what it means to live in the kingdom of God, that they are sharing their possessions, sharing their food, meeting each other's needs, experiencing great joy, amazing things together and are facing extreme persecution as well. But we see that this blessing actually is beginning them and there for them. And so it's clear for us, if we choose to be followers of Jesus, that we are to do good too, to enable that experience of being in the family of God, the kingdom of God, to the needy amongst us, needy in whatever way it is, to those that grieve, to those that are poor, to those that are hungry, to those that are persecuted, that we are to have our eyes wide open and do that. I was thinking of a story to tell you, but then I thought, actually, I'm not going to do it. But I, I wonder what stories would be told if I, one at a time, opened the mic and said, come on up. Tell me of a story of a time when you noticed a need in a community that you're in and were able to actually meet that need. Can you think of one? Can you think of a time where you saw a need and met it. I would love almost then to have all these stories that are in your head and just sort of somehow maneuver them around the room so you got to see some of the amazing things that happen in this community. But I wonder too if there's a challenge for us at this point. I think I need to open my eyes more to see where needs are. When I come on a Sunday morning, am I opening my eyes? When I go into my school community, my work community, wherever, am I opening my eyes and showing people a glimpse of what it means to encounter Jesus, what it means to be in or rub shoulders with somebody in God's family? Maybe that's a challenge for us. But I do know beautiful things happen. Then further down in our passage, we get to the part that is quietly quite radical and loud, but in a quiet way. This is what Jesus says. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who ill-treat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. We are called to love and to do good. I am called to do good to the man in the supermarket wearing an offensive T-shirt. We are called to do good to the people who demand that we forsake our values to love and do good to our enemies. How radical and loud in the world that would be. I realise we don't have time to utterly unpack this passage. This is such a good passage to wrestle with. So I would encourage you to take it and chew on it and read it further. Maybe find some talks from people that you trust online. So listen to I spoke a whole talk on this passage back in March. Uh, back in march last year and it's on our app and on our website and so it's under the cups of water theme if you go back there this passage is unpacked far more then but let's wrestle with it because who are the people that we are called to do good to to love and i do recognize in this moment that some of us here have been hurt incredibly deeply And so it is costly and hard and needs enormous wisdom around it. There is much more to think through about that, and let's do that thinking through that. I recognise, too, there are other countries and communities around us where the enemy is far more visible than those people that we might find tricky or hard to love. But we're called to do good. I can't remember whether I've shared this quote or not before. Forgive me if I have, but I love it, so I'm going to share it again. (laughs) A quote by a man called Richard Beck. I think what we do is try to interrupt and disrupt the world, the principalities and powers, with love. This requires tactical imagination, improvisation, and creativity. Artistically inserting ourselves into the gaps of the world the way Jesus did, like a flower growing in a crack of a city sidewalk. Love is weak, but it interrupts the world with beauty and grace and mercy. God's activity in the world is top, is not, sorry, is not top down. It does not in any way force itself upon us. It comes from the bottom up. It seeps up through the cracks and different situations in our lives. And if we choose to follow Jesus, if we say, I want to join him in the work that he is already doing, then we are invited into this upside-down kingdom. This kingdom where love comes in from the cracks and the brokenness comes up into our communities, this radicalness of doing good. And I know for myself, to be able to do that, I need to saturate myself in God's love first. And I need to get into the habit more and more of listening to God's Holy Spirit. As I rounded the corner of the aisle in the supermarket and I... uh, Right at the other end was this man and somebody with him, and I noticed this T-shirt. I gasped, actually, and I felt physically shaken inside of me. I have never seen anything like that so offensive before. I had some shopping to do, grab some things at that end, so I had time to just sort of pause at that time, and I instantly found myself praying, oh, God, what on earth do I do about this, this what do I do? What do I do? Um, how do I respond to this? Because this, we have been talking about this quietly loud theme for a little while um, amongst staff before we've been talking about it. What on earth do I do in this situation? I was thinking maybe i go up to him and I say to him, I'm assuming that maybe a follower of Jesus has offended you in some way. And um, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry if you've had this impression given to you. Um, I did wonder uh, whether I might go up to somebody that worked there and just say, could you go and talk to him about, actually, this is really an inappropriate T-shirt to be wearing in a supermarket. Um, I I prayed for him. I prayed that he would encounter Jesus and that he would discover um, that actually Jesus is certainly not um, that, that he is so good. I would like to tell you that I did something other than pray, but I didn't. I chickened out. I had this ridiculous thought in my head that I might get beaten up in the, in the car park. Afterwards, <laughs> I'm slightly crazy, but there we are. Um, I didn't. I didn't do anything other than pray. Praying is huge in that situation. But I didn't say anything. I, I wish I had said something. And so I have decided, though that as we go through this Quietly Loud year, I need to saturate myself in God's love because unless I am fully saturated in God's love, it is really hard to do good, that it will just seep out of me, that I will be able to go up to him, I don't know, offer to pay for his shopping or something, I don't know, because I want to be living in the edges but reflecting Jesus into the rest of society. Now I do recognize too, there are uh, moments when loudness matters. I went and told Troy and we had such an interesting conversation about what we would do and just different ideas around it. And there were some loud things that could have been done because there is this fine balance between mercy and compassion, the doing good side, and actually how do we stand up against injustice and extreme offensiveness of things. And I think we have to just be praying and saying, Holy Spirit, will you show me what to do and sometimes there is a time to be loud in those situations there could have been multiple things that could have been the right thing to do in that situation well we're going to be exploring this quietly loud theme for the year and I wonder whether you two actually want to go I do want to stand in the edges in the margins of society but I want to reflect Jesus into the world around me well, we're going to start something today, because we're at the start of quarterly Loud, for the next 40 days, and we would invite you to join with us. Lent is about to start, I, I'm, some of you will know about Lent, some of you won't, um, on Wednesday, and it goes for 40 days up to Easter. In many churches, Lent was this traditional time of preparing yourself um, for Easter, and, um, and so churches would often focus on fasting and giving and prayer, more prayer in that time, and just preparing yourself for Easter. And it is a wonderful thing to do, starting with Pancake Tuesday, Shrove Tuesday, Tuesday when you give up things, Wednesday uh, when it starts the continuing of giving up things. And so what we thought we'd do is this thing called 40 days, 40 days starting on Wednesday, where we encourage people to do two things, two things for 40 days, 40 days. We are going to ask everybody that wants to be on board in this topic to focus on 40 days of spiritual practices. Slightly weirdy phrase, but it's a short phrase, which basically means taking time to stop and be with God and allow him to saturate us with his love to be aware of his presence with us to be reminded of it as we read the Bible but whether that's stopping once in the day or going actually I'm going to stop once or twice in the day or whatever it is. but finding a way to go and I know many of you do this, but finding a way to go, I'm going to stop and be with God every day for 40 days. You get one day off a week, whether that's Sunday or not, but to make it 40. But also, 40 days of generosity. 40 days where you go, I'm going to be generous every day. And sometimes in really small ways, maybe I'm just going to smile at everyone I see, not in a creepy way, please. But I'm <laughs> going to smile at everyone I see. Or maybe in a big way, I'm going to fill that food um, bank with... Um, With meals, we have got none left, so please, that one. Um, But we're just going to encourage you to, you'll all do it your own way. You know what you've got, what your capacity is. Do it your own way. I would really encourage you to ask somebody to say, let's do this together. If you're in a triplet, to do it with people in a triplet, whether you're in a life group or with a friend, with uh, family anyway, but to go, let's do this together. Let's do this 40 days. Now, I know that sometimes it's quite good to start things, but really hard to carry them on for the whole time. So we've got some help uh, for you. And one of the ways that we've got help is on the app. I know you don't all have. It's not all on the app, but on the app, um, if you go, when you first open it, a page pops up, and just underneath it, there's a page that says 40 days of Lent, and if you click on that, you see this page here, and so you'll see on this that we have got a little explanation, which is basically what I'm saying now. Um, we've, got an, uh, we've got 40 days of spiritual practices, so some ideas and suggestions of things that you can do in that. Uh, we've got loads of ideas of generosity, and we've got some prayers there that you might want to pray too. But we've also got other things. We've got a table out in the foyer. I would encourage you to browse um, as as you go past. But we've also got, because some people want to go, yep, My hand is up, I am in, I am doing that. And if you want to do that, you are most welcome to press, I did it, it's so simple, on the count me in button at the top of your app, and then you just go, yep, I'm in, you put your name down, and that is it. That's you going, yep, I am doing this. But let's plan for it, because if we don't plan, it so often doesn't happen. We have also got these fabulous bracelets, which I did have one up here, there it is, thank you very much, thank you, Troy. We've got these bracelets. If you are somebody that goes, actually, I'll need a reminder then pop one of these, I don't say anything at all, on your wrist, and that maybe will remind you, I'm going to, oh, I have to remember to smile at everyone today, or I have to remember this, or Jesus, you are with me today um, as I go through my day, so you can take that too. And also, we have... Um, these charts. We've got loads of these out here, which are generosity. Maybe you put it on your fridge or by your bed or something. It's got heaps of ideas of generous things. You can cut them out or find your own and write down 40 ways. I'd encourage you to include your kids if you've got them um, in this too. Just different ways to be involved in this 40 days idea of Lent. It's up to you how you do it. But just imagine Just imagine if by April the 8th, you had encountered God in new ways that you had never encountered God like before. You had understood his love for you in a way you never had. Imagine that. If we seek him, I think we find him. Maybe you're somebody and you go, actually, I don't even know that I believe in God. You are so welcome to join us because I believe that he will reveal himself to you and his incredible love to you. Join us in this. Talk to me and I'll help you think what you can do. I believe that if you say, well, I used to know what it was like to be close to God, but that was so long ago now. Or maybe actually I've never known what it's like to be close to God, even though I've followed him for a long time. Imagine if the the best is yet to come. If there's such goodness for you by April the 8th. And imagine too, as we pour out generosity into the communities and the world around us, the flowers that are gonna grow up from the cracks around us and reflect Jesus into the world. If you find yourself in your heart or mind going, yep, I'm going to do that. Whether that is with great hesitation and nervousness or with great enthusiasm, I would like to pray now for us to talk to God and ask him to help. And if you don't mind, I'm going to, if I remember, add on a prayer for the man with the offensive T-shirt. Because when two or three are gathered, he, he, will, he hears us. So I'm going to pray. You're most welcome to join me with me or just listen in if you'd rather. God, I thank you that when we seek you, we find you. God, we need you in our lives. We know lives are better lived with you than what they would be without you. And so, God, I pray for those of us that are saying, yes, I will do this. Come and meet with us, please.
1: Remind us.
0: Call us. Show us who to do this journey with, please. And God, as we are generous into the world around us, I pray that you will take those little acts and that flowers will bloom, that you will be reflected into this world. Show us how to join you in the work that you are doing. And God, we pray for the man in that t-shirt who has no idea of who you are. Please reveal yourself to him that he will fall on his knees and declare that Jesus is good. Amen. So do come out and see us in the foyer afterwards.